Progressive Learning Podcast, produced by A Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburo and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. Today we're talking about Juneteenth, what it is, and who it's for. everyone welcome to the podcast it's Richard here and you know who I am um, hopefully by now uh, if not I'll remain a mystery and we are having uh, a conversation with two people who've never been on the podcast before but um, probably will be familiar faces from around the church and so you're going to like learn their names and their voices and then try to figure out who they are um, so we have I feel like this is like teams on my left and on my right, but on my left, uh, on the screen, I have Aline, and um, you'll see Aline because when you go to the bathroom and it's clean, or you go to get food and it's there, or <laughs> you go to get coffee and someone's wiped up the floor, um, that is the janitorial team in part, which Aline is on. Um, so, I don't know, what's the weird intro we should ask for? Uh I should, I should have thought of like an icebreaker question. All right, <laughs> this is really boring, but so Aline, because people have got to hear you, they've got to hear you to like, oh, that's Aline. Okay, I know that voice. Although I don't think they're going to confuse you with David. <laughs> we have very different voices. But um, yeah, tell us like something about you that not many people know. Something about you that's like really important. As like, this is kind of a big thing for me. Mm. Oh man, I don't know. Uh, I didn't prep you for this at all. <laughs> no, you did not. I'm like throwing you under the bus to get your like <laughs> knee jerk reaction. I, I don't know questions. if I have anything that I haven't shared with the world because I'm I'm an open book. You're an open. Okay, so you're an open book. So that's one yes. thing about you. Yes. Which is um, not too surprising, but it's why you don't have a surprise. So we'll let we'll let that be the answer to the first question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And what's what's a, like getting to know you? Like this is something really important about me. I'm an artist. You are. Uh, yes. Uh, I feel like it's funny though because I feel like I haven't I haven't started calling myself an artist until just a few years ago. So. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Because from <laughs> years ago when you were in the school, mm-hmm. I always remember like you would take notes in class, and yeah. I always wanted to take a photo of them because. <laughs> You didn't take notes. You made art out of the class. Anyway, that's yeah. really cool. <laughs> and uh, and on my right hand, I have David, who you I actually people the recognizing factor there might be like you know those group of people who have the ask me about my community t shirt on every Sunday. <laughs> yes, David's one of those, and but we'll have to figure out which one. They'll have to. Like, identify you from the rest of the community definitely and huge shout out to my community for coming in strong with those shirts yeah so um that was that was a power move oh it was good it's good work oh and i still wear those shirts to this day even when i'm not going to west side i (laughs) go to mcdonald's and i'm expecting people to ask me about my community so same Um, same question to you then what's like something surprising about you and what's something that's like yeah this is kind of like who i am yeah, so um, not many people know this, but Spanish is my first language. 
through and through. It's uh, the language that I learned first growing mm -hmm. up with my mom. And it was only until I would say grade school, first and second, that I really started to learn English. And I took English as a second language, took speech therapy classes. And so that's a wild experience, learning English as an additional language that late on being thrown into school. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and I confused words all the time. You know, what I thought was water was agua yeah. all the time. And I would ask teachers for agua and they'd be like, what's yeah. agua? Yeah. Learning English not helped by the fact that English is like a bit of a Mongol language that's borrowed a bunch of words from Spanish, German, Portuguese, French. Like, yeah. Croissant. Just to make it extra confusing. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and then uh, uh, what's like, what's the important, like, this is David. Yeah, I would say I, I, you know, I love introducing myself as someone who has a business mind mm -hmm. and a pastor's heart. Mm, that's cool. So constantly I'm thinking in my mind, business, just because I've seen it be used for the glory of God and just the compassion that I share with people is through a pastor's heart. So mm, I've introduced cool. myself that yeah, way. I love that. And I, I love more people. That's like a whole nother podcast, actually, about like pastor is not a job description for someone no. who's on staff in a church. That's not the way the word is used biblically, but it's an identity. That's something for another day. So today we are going to talk about um, Juneteenth. So first kind of awkward thing, uh, but actually I wonder if it's actually like what Jesus wants to do is like Juneteenth. And we'll describe a bit what it is in a second for people who don't know. Um, but it's really a celebration that comes from African-American experience and often is a lot of celebration of African-American kind of culture and art and food and things like that. And we kind of scrambling to do this, uh, put this podcast together, like trying to coordinate schedules, were not able to get any of the african-american people we knew in our church on the podcast it just didn't work out everyone's busy and so that's kind of a shame so i feel like this is kind of a weird conversation mm -hmm. but part of what we wanted to do is have a conversation about how juneteenth is not just for african-americans and it's particularly something that ought to connect with christians which is mm -hmm. all of us and probably everyone listening and how the things the dynamics of juneteenth connect to a bunch of other groups which then actually we do have representation um, of as well so it'd be so a slightly different conversation but what, what my thought this afternoon was like oh it'd be a real shame like not to have um so like we were going to have q you know who grew up you know with this holiday as like a family tradition you know talk about his experiences i was like oh man i'm bummed people like won't get to hear that but i also thought you know, if it was on the podcast, people were like, ah, oh, I don't really need to talk to anyone now because, like, I I heard the first-hand story. So I just wonder if actually there's, like, a little bit of a blessing maybe in there of, like, the encouragement is this is deeply rooted in African-American culture. Yes. And so if you want to, like, because part of what we want to, I guess, exhort you to today is, like, um, there's some kingdom motifs in Juneteenth, which you can grow in your appreciation of by listening to people who um, may have had experiences like the ones that we're doing the celebration for. Mm -hmm. And so because of that exhortation, maybe then it's like, yeah, actually Q's not here. So go find him or some other people and talk to them. And so 
yeah that's like putting a silver lining on it but oh yeah <laughs> that's one that i'm gonna claim that silver lining so let, <laughs> let's do a little bit of like what juneteenth is so i'm i'm like first out of the gate i'll just be like every holiday in the u.s has been new to me since i moved here like getting it like i don't know what's memorial day what on earth's that president's day labor day what like we do not have these in the uk um but i remember juneteenth hearing about it from someone at church maybe like four years ago four or five years ago because they celebrated it but not really like the penny not dropping of like it's an important holiday oh, yeah. until the last couple of years and then it's like rushed into the foreground as like oh wow now i'm learning loads about it so yeah it's like it's totally alien to me so i'm a complete noob learning about it um what about you guys like how like where's your awareness of it your interaction with it Ooh, i'm gonna hand the mic to Aline for that <laughs> Um, you know, to be honest, I didn't know that Juneteenth was a holiday until maybe like a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had no idea about it. And because I remember seeing it on my, I think it was my iPhone calendar. And I was wondering, I was like, what is Juneteenth? And um, I remember looking it up and I was just like, oh, wow, like. I didn't know that this was actually something that was like celebrated and um, yeah. And I like, you know, in that year that it had happened, like black lives mattered happened and um, you know, just a lot of like different things, especially with the pandemic hitting and everything. And so it was just like a lot to process. Um, Cause then I, I, I guess, I don't know. I think growing up for me, I was always like around Asian people only like I'm like for those who don't know I am among American and um a little backstory of my uh of people of my heritage we don't have our own country um but we reside in like the mountains of uh like Thailand, Laos, Vietnam and China and we um, are called the mountain people. I've also been told that we've been called the hill people, um, but we're just kind of like a small ethnic tribe and we have like our own language. Which and... makes you sound really cool, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Agreed. So we, ha- we have our own like language. I think a lot of like words that we've used are borrowed from Chinese, um, like the Chinese language, but then like we don't have like a handwriting or anything of the sort. Um, but I think, I don't remember when it was, but I just know that there was missionaries that came to help us write and we used the American alphabet. Oh, interesting. Yes. And so, um, but I don't really, I'm not very good at reading and writing in Hmong, but like, it's something that I like, if I see it, then I know that it's definitely Hmong. And so, um, and people might remember we had a Sunday it's quite a while ago now, but we were talking about different cultures in the early church and we read the scripture in some different languages. And yes. your mum, Pang, it was your mum read, not you, yes. wasn't it? Yeah. No, so Pangcho read part of the scripture in Hmong, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was really cool. Because then yeah. it's like, yeah, that's, a, I, and the, that it's not just a different language, but a language that loads of people will probably never get to hear. Yes, um, very true. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, something really unique. 
yeah. And so um, I think, or it was during the, like the tail end of the Vietnam War that we had the Secret Wars, which is also known as the Liberation Civil War. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Hmong people were just like having to flee because Vietnam was like attacking us. And I know my dad and my grandma, they both had to flee to Thailand. And my grandma was a refugee in the States and my dad was a refugee in France. Wow. And so... Yeah, it's kind of crazy when I think about it because, like, my dad lived in France for 10 years. And then he moved to the States and he met my mom on a student visa. And yeah, <laughs> and so, yeah. Awesome. There's so many layers to the story of, like, <laughs> so you're in the U.S., you know, mm-hmm. as a first-generation kind of yeah, native, yes, you know, yes. born here, yeah, immigrant, mm-hmm. um, but with a strong heritage from your parents yes you know that's different Mm -hmm. um and but also with these layers of like having experienced in your family history like being refugees and Mm -hmm. war and Mm -hmm. but and even even the kind of like yeah we can't write our our language Mm -hmm. you know it's, it's just like so so many difference making factors there yeah yeah so what, yeah. what about for you, David? Like, what's your Juneteenth awareness like in your life? Yeah, and Aline, thank you for sharing that because I, I find a lot of commonality with the your cultural background and, and ethnic make- makeup. So for me growing up, I was very thankful that my dad had this uh, tolerance club. He had a tolerance club that he hosted out in my high school because he was a security guard there. And so my exposure to Juneteenth was kind of like from a distance. Mm-hmm. I knew it was a, a, a special day. I knew that Juneteenth was a special day, but it wasn't talked about in my like grade school. It okay. wasn't talked about. Mm-hmm. So other, special, yeah. but like not for you. It, yeah. 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 Very much like it was talked about. I remember in grade school that there was, you know, segments in, in, you know, elementary school where we talked about it, but it wasn't actually emphasized as an important holiday, mm-hmm. but it was a part of just American history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that was interesting for me because I, you know, would see it as, you know, in grade school. And then my dad would make an emphasis on it with his tolerance club. And then it was only until I would say, yeah, same thing with Aline recently that it became more the awareness level of the significance of that day. Mm-hmm. went up a lot of you know there's more mm-hmm. focus on it and then as far as like m- my background you know Aline, I love that you explained and shared a, a bit about your family's story so my dad he's a refugee from the Dominican Republic mm-hmm. and very much in that mindset of civil war you know my my, ha- my family had all been scattered throughout the United States mm-hmm. and so I come from that space of being a first born American citizen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mom immigrated from Mexico. And so here in my upbringing, there was like just a a better way of saying it, layers of culture about, Mm -hmm. right? So having Spanish that's regional to the Dominican Republic, Spanish that's regional to Puerto Rico, Spanish that's regional to Mexico. Yes, it's, it's a language that we are using, but every region has its way of saying it. Yeah. 
kind of similar. You, you can, I mean, we know this even in English. Yes. I mean, mm. you especially get it in the UK. You know, if someone's from London or Glasgow, <laughs> yes. it cry, the moment they open their mouth is like, oh, you're from there. You're one of them. You know, they're, they're markers. They are yeah. definitely markers. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's like my exposure to it, to Juneteenth and its significance has been more recent. Yeah. And, and just really understanding its definition, like how it implies to yeah. me. So let, let's um, describe for people like what it is yeah. and then maybe get circled back to, I, I want to get back to the like, it didn't feel like it was something for me yeah. because I think there's actually a tension in that that's yes. um, worth picking at. Um, yeah. So it's actually, it's been celebrated in the US since 1865. Well, it's a celebration of an event in 1865. And so um, there's like, if if you want more details, like Juneteenth in Google, you'll find loads of stuff. Um, but basically the, the Emancipation Proclamation declared an intent of like freedom, but the reality of freedom kind of relied on the advancing Union Army. And given the geography of the confederacy and the union it took a couple of years for the union army to get into texas and what had actually been happening during those couple of years is lots of people had been relocating like slave owners i mean had been relocating to texas so by the time you get to 1865 there's like a quarter of a million enslaved people in texas wow and so the, the Union Army kind of came in and this uh, general, um, I wrote his name down because I knew I forget it, uh, Gordon Granger then came in and it, the, the work then of actually declaring and making the reality of freedom actual began in Galveston, Texas. So that's a kind of root of Juneteenth and it was on June 19th. So Juneteenth is a kind of contraction of June 19th, Juneteenth. Oh. And, um, and, and yeah, and it was this like they they walked around the streets, they went to the courthouse, went like and just declaring like this is the reality, you know, enslaved people are free, and so it it kind of took the intent of all the work like over a long period of time from like William Wilberforce through to like the Emancipation Declaration, like all of these things, mm -hmm. steps along the way. But the like, the enclave of slavery as a, as a trade that, um, you know, was something that the US was trying to fight against, uprooting that from Texas was the sort of last domino to fall, if you like. Actually, it wasn't quite, there's a technicality there, but that, but that's what's being celebrated mm -hmm. is, is like finally. A, like a completion an end of the slave trade like like owning a slave is is not okay and slaves have to be set free they have to become employees not slaves anymore um and then um it's interesting like the year after you know in the in texas in the south it begins to be celebrated and that kind of spreads and um and, and interesting, like, you've still got all sorts of funky stuff going on like, with, like, segregation and property mm -hmm. rights mm -hmm. for different people of different ethnicities, things like that. So, like, often these celebrations would actually be held in, like, black churches because 
they were prohibited from doing something in public spaces. Um, So, yeah, you can kind of see, like, there's freedom, but, like, already we're bumping into a problem. But but it kind of spreads. It spreads across the US. Like, there was a time when, um, for lots of people who had, like, African-Americans who had, like, slave trade as part of that ancestry or heritage to, like, go on, like, a pilgrimage to Galveston. You know, it's like a hub. Um, and really, like, celebrate that this ended um, under, you know, and so it kind of grows, but, like, under Jim Crow, that era, it kind of diminishes, mm-hmm. um, which is understandable. Um, uh, but then after the civil rights movement, you know, it starts to kind of take off again, you know, and, and along the way there, it becomes a bit more commercialised and, uh, you know, some of the traditions around, like, how are we going to have this party? You know, like, and because its roots are in the South, like, outdoors with food, possibly a barbecue, you know, like, some of the, some of these things. But it's, like, a real, like, family time, like, celebration. And so, yeah, it, so so it's a kind of, um, I, I guess I, I want to pick at the question a little bit of, like, over the last couple of years, and especially you, David, growing up in that weird tension there, like, how do we relate to this? Um, as people who are not African-American. Because, you know, we might wonder, like you kind of experience, like, is that their holiday? Or is that our holiday as people in the US? Like, is this something the US should celebrate? Yeah. Or something just they get to celebrate, you know? So, I mean, I mean, you, you've experienced this tension. So, like, oh, yeah. you are the horse's mouth. So yeah, I, I want to hear what you got to say about that. And, and I and I do want to preface this. You know, I'm learning. You know, I'm I'm 31, so I'm I'm still learning what it looks like to appreciate culture in in all of its workings. Mm. And I think the the thing that helps me understand the holiday is that it's an invitation for every person to celebrate. That there is an exclusivity to the fact that it was two African Americans at that time mm-hmm. and the invitation is for us to celebrate alongside my brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and so you know for me the the approach is i can join in because i can appreciate it and i can also experience a bit of what my brothers and sisters are experiencing and the magnitude of that day mm-hmm. i just know that it requires me to get out of my comfort zone yeah mm-hmm. because more than often and I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of myself here. I get really nervous and uncomfortable when I'm trying something new, mm-hmm. especially if it's not been in my upbringing. And so Juneteenth, you know, it wasn't a day I, I celebrated or acknowledged up until I started getting older and then seeing the, the, the magnificence of that day, of it being a day of celebration mm-hmm. and emancipation. But that doesn't mean I, I, it's removed from my experience now. Yeah, I can now be a part of it. I can ask people the question, like, what does that mean to you? Yeah. And so the responsibility, if I can say it this way, is, is for me to learn, mm-hmm. be honest, tell people, hey, I don't know it from an upbringing, but I want to know it. And can you teach me? Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. it's not, you wouldn't say it's that's also mine as like a, well, of course it is, as a matter of course, but mm. but the opportunity is there. Yes. Right. Um, 
yeah what what about you Aline like how do you feel you relate to it um I don't know (laughs) I don't know how to answer this question um I think I guess when I think about Juneteenth I'm just wondering how can I honor the people who were oppressed um and who do still experience uh, like oppression now yeah that's a really good way to say it yeah and I mean it a lot of it is always just kind of reflecting about things um but I remember last year though so this might sound kind of nerdy but it's because I'm a graphic designer (laughs) and so um uh last year I noticed that Google had made a um kind of like a if you because you know how they have their google homepage, and if there's a holiday something is different yeah. on there yeah i noticed that they did something particular for juneteenth and um just like speaking into that like as an artist i just uh it kind of just like made me like think about like oh you know going forward with my own like future career of being a graphic designer like how am i going to honor people in ways like this and um and earlier this year I had a graphic design mentor and she was talking about how it's important to be inclusive with all kinds of people because I mean what we offer as artists are something that unique and um yeah and that just like really challenged me I guess in a sense because I never really thought about that kind of stuff like I definitely want to offer my gifts to people yes but I think I just never really thought about like people who are different from me and mm. um yeah and I think that also has a lot to do with like growing up just like being around Hmong people all the time that mm. I was never really culturally aware of like those around me like even when I was in high school like a lot of the people that I was friends with were people that were Asian they weren't necessarily Hmong but they were people who are also of, of Asian ethnicities and um, I don't know. And I guess I'm just kind of thinking back and I'm like wondering why do the Asian people always stick with the Asian people? And like, I feel like, I don't know. It's just interesting to think about how we kind of just stick to what we know. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, and that kind of makes it hard for you to know how to have those kind of conversations with people who are different from you yeah um it's kind of like what david was saying like you have to get out your comfort zone (laughs) yeah right yes and and it's kind of interesting like our comfort zone can be so defined by something as kind of surface level as how someone looks sounds Mm -hmm. the way they dress yeah you know those things Mm -hmm. but i mean and maybe it's just partly how you know developmentally we learn about identity you know Mm. as kids like we're only aware of the surface level stuff and yeah you know we have to it takes some growth like you were saying you know it takes some age and experience to be like oh there's like there's more going on here yeah yeah I, I really like the way you said Aline as well like it's a time to like honor the people who were freed Mm-hmm. but also honor those who are still affected because mm-hmm. that's where I feel I mean I mean talk about difficulty honoring or like the where that could be like the yeah. British the British guy in the room 
you know. But it's like, yeah, the whole slave trade, I know it wasn't just because of the British, but we had a big hand in that, you know. Mm. And um, and I'm, like, removed socioeconomically. Like, I don't come from a slave-owning, you know, family. I come from a bunch of people who, I don't know, carried sacks of flour or something. <laughs> but it's still, like, it's part of my cultural heritage yes. that, I, that I have a connection to and association with. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think, for me, honouring those affected... By the, especially by the slave trade, there's people affected by oppression more broadly. Certain other thing, but mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, there's there's something in me that's like, I'm really glad that's over. Yes, but it grieves me that it was. So there's mm-hmm. and the grief is like, actually, it grieves me that part of my heritage did that. Mm-hmm. It makes me sad, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's mm-hmm. like, that's a good. That feels like a right reaction, you know, mm-hmm. and to acknowledge yes. that. Um. But then honouring people now, that's where there's like this little bit of complexity of like, because its its roots are so connected to the African-American experience in the US, um, like I can want to honour like people I know who are African-American who, you know, <laughs> have had extra extra challenges in life because of the wounds in our culture and our systems and things like that because of slavery Mm -hmm. um but it's like there's there's a a lot more people suffering in oppression yes and then like maybe next door to that is people who are also suffering oppression because of their ethnicity which Mm -hmm. having you know this like we'll have to come up with a hybrid name for you D- Dominic, is there is there one Dominico, Puerto Rico? I like call myself a Dominica Puerto Rican. Yeah, I don't know what the word yeah, is. Something like that. And and like Mong for for Aline, you know, it's like yeah, there can be some issues there, and with and with other people, but mm. then like when because I think Juneteenth invites reflection. Yes. Of yes. like we we're, we're celebrating that something was pushed to get done to get completed. Mm. Not just, oh, yeah, we want to have a policy of, like, slavery is bad, but we want to mm-hmm. actually make sure the slaves know they're free. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. that they experience freedom, which is very biblical. Like, biblical celebrations, you know, like, yes. they celebrated when they got to the other side of the Red Sea, mm-hmm. not as they were dancing out of Egypt. You know, mm-hmm. it was, the, like, the, it's just a biblical thing. Yeah, <laughs> and there's so many <laughs> examples of that. Um and you know it's it's just just all these layers right these layers of things to relate to around this holiday like so and and i think the hard thing there is juneteenth is a great time to celebrate something that really matters that was done Mm -hmm. but then i'm really aware of um like for example uh like chinese americans experience of like there's still a lot of oppression like there is for african-americans hispanic latino like lots of people but they never had the same like here's a moment where there's an acknowledgement that you're being treated poorly and it needs to change so it's kind of it's just really complicated um and and that's part of i think why like just just reading around like different people who've written about juteenth um you know um, different ways people have celebrated it, encouraged celebration of it. It is this combination of like 
rejoice and reflect. Yes. Mm. So all, all of that complexity shouldn't put us off celebrating. Like something celebration worthy has happened. Mm-hmm. But the, the complexity of the reflection is okay. Like that's why we use the word reflect, not acknowledge or just give it a quick thought. Yes. You know, because mm-hmm. it's it needs more than that, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it just strikes me as well, because th- there's a weird, I don't know, I'm answering my own question. I'll I'll start the answer and I'll like throw it over to you guys, right? <laughs> yes. This whole like, should we celebrate this? Because we're not African American as well. Like, if if any well, and and reflect, I guess both. If yes. we should we rejoice and reflect at this time. Um, if anyone should understand the importance of freedom and have like a box in their head for like, hmm, oppression, marginalization, like things like that really matter. Christians should be those people, of course. Mm-hmm. Like when slaves get set free, Christians should, you know, be like yelling and whooping and, and celebrating because mm-hmm. it's such a deep theme in the Bible and not just yes. like um, freedom from the oppression of sin, but that freedom from sin creates the opportunity to live a life of justice and generosity and all Liberty. these other things, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and and I want to point that out, Richard, that, you know, what you're saying, and, and I'll, I'll use a phrase that I grew up with in Southern California, which is that's super biblical. Like all <laughs> that you just said is super biblical because it's rooted in the the rhythms and reality of what we know and in Christian theology, mm-hmm. just to celebrate and reflect. I, and I think what is important for us is that you can have head knowledge about what freedom looks like, but you have to have that heart knowledge of what freedom feels like when yeah. you're around your brothers and sisters who are celebrating this holiday. Mm-hmm. Because I know that I can have a theology of understanding what Juneteenth looks like, celebrating you know, emancipation from slavery. But can can my heart join in with what my mind is thinking without a relationship? Yeah. No. Like, I need to have a relationship with mm-hmm. brothers and sisters who are celebrating that day yeah. from the context mm-hmm. of relevance. Yeah. Because it becomes more powerful when I understand that, like, it's not just a, you know, federal holiday. Because that's what you'll see on your iPhone. You'll see, it'll say federal holiday that's what you'll see on wikipedia but when you're celebrating it with someone who is celebrating it Mm -hmm. who has come from a lineage of that makeup it becomes way more relevant yeah yeah and the reflection requires that you walk in the uncomfortability Mm -hmm. of how severe that was for american culture yeah yeah what about you aline like how do your christian muscles you know, kind of connect as you've like been learning about Juneteenth, like what are connections that you've like seen or, uh, or felt? Mm. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I keep saying this, but I don't know how to answer this question. And, uh, and then you go, uh, and then you always say something amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, you do well, do that. <laughs> Well, you're, yeah, I think I agree with what David was saying that, like, um, that it's worth celebrating with somebody who, you know, that does come from that lineage. Um, 
I mean, personally, I don't think I really know that many people uh, who are African Americans. I have a friend that I do know, but um, we haven't seen each other in a while due to like just like being busy in sc- with school and stuff. And um, but I always reach out to her, and um, I don't I don't know. I I think like just being her friend and hearing her stories of just like how she's experienced um, discrimination um, like at workplaces and stuff like that. She's like, you know, like you're the only person that ever like comes and talks to me and sees how I'm doing. And for me, that kind of just like doesn't make sense to my mind because like as a believer, because she's also a believer. um, And I'm wondering where are all her brothers and sisters that, could be reaching out to her like yeah why aren't we united in like things like this um yeah because it just doesn't make sense to not be there for someone who's going through through something that like like even though we don't or might not understand all of it we should still do our part in um showing up for them yeah uh even if (laughs) yeah like just yeah, even if we don't understand it in its capacity, because like, I think, and I think I'm just thinking about like people who are always like, oh, you know, you wouldn't understand what I'm going through, but then Jesus, he was there, and he understands. Mm-hmm. Like he's faced racial discrimination and things like that, and um, but you know, and he, but he was still like, uh, I don't know like a almost like a rule breaker because he was like oh you know just because this person's different from me and it just for me it doesn't mean that I'm not going to be there for them and yeah. so yeah just right. yeah the, i mean jesus is like as ever nails it you know <laughs> <laughs> but um i mean it's all the way through the bible you know like mm-hmm. the pentateuch is written by an exile to a group of refugees um, the prophets are marginalized people writing to people about to head into exile. Mm-hmm. You know, the Gospels is written under foreign oppression and religious mm-hmm. oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, like the letters of the New Testament are written in the midst of harassment and persecution and opposition. And, you know, and, and Jesus is like walking around Galilee and and keeps not just acknowledging, but like pulling into the center of the room, the people who everyone else said, this would be a better room if you weren't in it. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the man with the withered hand and the, the prostitute who's like mm-hmm. crying on his feet, you know, like mm-hmm. he, woman at the well. Yeah. He keeps acknowledging mm-hmm. yeah. those people. And, yes. you know, and, and I think it's like, it just shows like and all the way through the Bible, like when we've just been doing acts, like the church's concern for the Greek widows possibly being marginalized, like we gotta do something about this. Um mm-hmm. like all of the laws of the Pentateuch that talk about like refugees and aliens and slaves and things like this. Like like books like Esther, you know, like the, the, so the, the persecution yeah. and oppression and how God is like, I'm gonna work in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. Because it's just so clear in the Bible that 
God loves to show up for the oppressed. Mm. So then I love what you're saying, Aline, where you're like, I just don't understand why God's family wouldn't yeah. show up for the oppressed. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a clear connection. And and then I love that you talk about kind of agreeing with David, like, um, so we should go ask questions and listen. And yes. and that's like that's I think it's a twofold thing actually. Partly it's like just acknowledging things that are common markers of oppression. And in the US, mm-hmm. ethnicity is one of them. But it could mm-hmm. be like, are they a single parent? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could be, um, you know, do they not have a lot of money? Um, you know, like all sorts of things. Do they have a disability? Yeah. You know, like there's, there's so many markers, right? Yeah. That they ought to like they ought to invite us as the people of God in because mm-hmm. that's like that's Jesus's heart. But yeah. also just for even just for us to be like, and I, I really like. Uh, tuned into this with what you were saying david of like um there's something where like the relationship enriches us mm-hmm. and so like yeah the scripture talks about like freedom from oppression and liberation and like these things mm-hmm. and it's we all of us experience liberation to relate to god again yeah so we've got one thing in common but actually we're also all liberated to like live thriving lives but our experience of that journey is radically different. And sometimes we struggle seeing the unity of, around that bit. Yeah. And so it's like, it's a growth area to understand, not just like you were saying, not just abstractly the concept mm-hmm. of like, what's a life of justice, what's freedom, what's liberation, you know, the, like where the kingdom's breaking in. Yes. But like, what's it feel like? How do you celebrate it? How do you relate to it? And that's something of like, that's practical theology. Yes. That's like known, experienced. It's in my bones, in my experiences, theology. Yeah. And, you know, if you're like, well, I've never really been oppressed, never been marginalized. No one's used a racial slur against me. No, you know, like, what's my route in to growing my my practical theology? Yeah, It's like, well, the church has got this superpower called all the people that God has called to be a part of his family with those experiences. Mm-hmm. And then, like listening to those people, like that enriches, which is why the diversity is so powerful. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. God yes. wants to have this diverse church. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've got something you haven't got, and you've got something I haven't got, and we can all say that of each other. Yeah. Yes, and that's the nature of love, right? Lo- mm-hmm. Love motivates me to move outside of whatever zone I'm in. Right. Mm -hmm. So I I love you, brother. I love you, sister. And I want to get to know you more. I want to understand you more. And it requires that humility um, and that desire to want to know their actual experience. And I think that's where the more that I get to be in communities of color, Mm -hmm. my brothers and sisters who are African-American, the more it makes sense for me to celebrate. Yes. Yes. The more it makes sense for me to reflect yeah. on it, and and like have a real reflex of celebration yes. instead mm-hmm. of like, well, I guess in theory I should be. That's like the difference of like, um, which is actually why it's great having you guys on the podcast who represent non African American, but still people who've probably experienced, which I'll ask you about in a second. You know, like different forms of marginalization and and hurt, but um, because in the foreground is the African-American experience. 
but right one step behind it might be your guys's experiences yeah mm-hmm. right in that like power to help us reflect and learn how to do justice and learn how to care for each other and stuff like that which then when we see that the bucket is bigger helps us not realize how many opportunities for relationship there are so instead of like that like one black guy who lives on your street getting the whole neighborhood pop round be like uh happy juneteenth i i guess uh are you are you okay are you feeling particularly oppressed like super awkward i've no idea how to relate to you kind of thing you know to actually build a relationship and allow celebration to like grow in those relationships mm-hmm. but then the opportunities are like you know they they go far and wide yeah you know as as white as portland is i mean i live in sherwood which is i tell you when i moved here a little bit like where are the other people like this weird culture shock for sure (laughs) especially coming from london which is just like so multicultural but you know what it's changing and our church is changing yes Mm -hmm. and it's like the opportunities that we don't need to talk about oh but what if i'm not around anyone like if you come to west side you're around people you are around people it's like we just need to talk about the encouragement to step in you know Mm -hmm. that's the organic nature of what Jesus does in culture. Organically, mm-hmm. we are brought together from different spaces yes. of privilege and mm-hmm. different spaces of oppression, if I can say mm-hmm. it in that way. Mm-hmm. Because even me, you know, being a, a, a naturally born a citizen, like I have this privilege. Mm-hmm. I have this table that I have access and exposure to by virtue of my birth. Mm-hmm. And that gives, that almost places this responsibility on me. To understand that as a follower of Jesus, my call is to bring people into tables of discussion. Yeah. And then from that relationship that we're building, it's organic. It's natural for me to celebrate. Yeah. But you you have to, you know, and I, and I look at it this way. When we reflect on this holiday, mm-hmm. there needs to be a tension of not knowing, mm-hmm. discovering to know, mm-hmm. and knowing it. Mm-hmm. And knowing it is just as close as being in relationship with someone who's been through it, mm-hmm. through whatever oppression falls out of that holiday. Because it, you know, I, I, I look at it from my best friend. So my best friend, he is African-American mm-hmm. and we've been best friends since, oh my goodness, 2010. And every year I become more attuned to his felt experiences of oppression Mm. alongside of my own felt experiences of oppression and ostracization and marginalization, Mm. but it becomes more real. And I'll use this one example, uh, this movie, uh, soul that was on Disney. Oh yeah. Mm. And to, to hear my best friend describe to me how it was both a positive and a negative. Mm. And it was like, what, like, what, how did I miss that? And then he pointed out some, and I don't want to spoil it for any of my Disney fans. Spoilers out there. alert. <laughs> no, so spoiler, I, I'm not going to ruin it for you. I'd say just watch it. But to hear what he, ha- what my best friend had to describe mm. about soul and, and how it was both a positive and a negative was very humbling for me. Yeah. You know, in more recent um, cultural events, right? and I'm not going to get into the specifics on that. But realize that your opinion is only half, if not even half, maybe like 10% of of the real picture. Yeah. Mm. And as I associate with more of my brothers and sisters that are African-American, that have cultural 
uh, uniqueness, I get more access and exposure. Yeah. And it, and it builds up like our relational cultural intelligence. Yes. To understand like, oh, that might not affect everyone, which is the classic mm-hmm. communication thing. We assume that like the best way to say something is the way we would hear it best. You know, but then like things affect people different ways. Mm-hmm. But let's let's um finish a bit here with because um uh, I'll preface this a little bit, is like part of the reflection. And and this kind of does my nut in a little bit. Is like we're celebrating, and actually in the last few years we've seen awareness in the public conversation of sort of issues around race and ethnicity and other markers of oppression mm-hmm. um, went up. Like the conversation was in the foreground, and yes. then I feel like it's moved to the background. Unless there's like a violent tragedy. Like we've had some shootings, we've had things like that, you know, that affected like mm-hmm. a certain segment of society. Yeah, people group. Yeah, a certain people group. And and then and then we actually we have a conversation about gun laws and things like that and violence in society, which are good conversations. But then um I don't want us encouraging celebrating Juneteenth to also, I don't know, blinker us from the awareness that like remember there's this big conversation going on that's really mm-hmm. important about like the continued like echoes of like uh, sort of obvious racism like mm-hmm. I- I'm, I'm just gonna hate you because i don't like the color of your skin stuff and all yeah. the manifestations of that but also systemic issues some mm-hmm. of which are like just hidden and need uncovering and dealing with and some of which are like no people with privilege are kind of guarding them you know like so there's a massive complexity to that yeah um but i i think i really like your encouragement david of like but the people around you are your front door yes to reflection and so so in the midst then of that challenge to reflect like I'd love to ask you both if you'd be so good as to like let us in a little bit to some of your experiences <laughs> as people who are minorities about like what's what's some you know uh, I'm sure you've got enough we could do a whole podcast series but like a little bit to like help people's juices get flowing of like oh like I thank you like now I know some of your felt experience and um yeah, just like something then, some food to fuel that reflection, like something to ponder and think about. And hopefully that would, you know, if you ponder right, make you want to be like, can I take you for coffee? I'd love to hear more about you, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know who wants to go first because you're, you're both nodding. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, so can you phrase the question? Yeah, so so I'm, I'm always the one that like starts a question and then like three throws like six statements in it and then it's like oh yeah there was a question but like if if you are able it would be great to hear a bit of like your felt experience as someone who is a minority like what you know what's it like to like let people in a little bit to your experience and Uh, and typically we share some of the hard bad stuff but you could share some because there's good aspects to being a minority too so you could share a bit both okay um I don't know what to share. <laughs> um, this is yeah. this is your this is Aline's mo. 
we'll wait 10 seconds and then like an, an amazing an amazing story will come out oh yes <laughs> i i feel that um yeah i mean a large part of my story now is uh just breaking away from wrong tradition traditions and um yeah like just I want to say it's a bit of a backstory, but it's a long bit of a backstory. <laughs> um, but in the Hmong culture, it's just very, very common for people to get married young. And um, a big ideal of that is like daughters within Hmong families, they are just uh, raised to become housewives. And so like, it was very normal for me to just like be thinking about marriage at like the age of 15. Um, because like, yeah, like my parents, like all my aunties and uncles, like they were, they had gotten married young as well. And um, yeah, so it wasn't like foreign for me because like even like people that I'm friends with today that are also among their parents also got married young. And um, being the oldest of my family, I, my parents, they were always telling me, you know, when you get married, like you you need to be a good housewife and it's what we call anyang in uh in our native tongue and then it's just kind of like a way of calling a daughter-in-law uh yeah like a yeah that's how you would address them and typically in the Hmong culture anyang would be somebody who um would basically cater to all of her in-laws needs and she would like take care of them like by cooking for them and cleaning up after them and um yeah my my parents were always telling me you know this is very important for you to like get this right because um you know if you don't do this right your in-laws will talk bad about you and gossip spreads like a wildfire in the Hmong community and so if I didn't do things right, then people would be like, oh, you know, you shouldn't marry daughters from that family because our daughter-in-law is super lazy, da-da-da, like all of these things. And so like for me being the oldest, like I put that on myself to be like, okay, if I don't do this right, my sisters are not going to be wanted. Mm -hmm. And I just never wanted anyone to face that, you know? And so, um, yeah, so then like, I grew up with kind of just like this mentality of like, oh, you know, uh, I can't ever be seen wrong. Like I have to be perfect. I have to do this the right way. Uh, and so like I lived like pleasing people like all the time. And um, it's interesting though, like even though I was going to a church, like I grew up in a church going family, um, I never really understood like, what it meant for Jesus to die for my sins. Cause then I was like, Oh, you know, why do I have to be perfect? If like, uh, if Jesus already died for the things that I've already done that were mistakes, you know? And mm. yeah. So that concept was just like really hard to understand because a lot of everything that I knew was only honor shame culture. And because I was going to an all Hmong church, um, it was kind of hard to like, to grasp, God's grace for myself because I was like, Oh, you know, I still have to try to do this and do that. And, um, but ultimately that kind of just like led me to like seeking for resources outside of my church. And I actually came to know Jesus through reading books instead. 
And, um, yeah. And like when I finally like first understood, um, God's grace, like all of the oppression and burdens that I felt like were just lifted away. And I was 16 and I had just gotten out of like my first relationship with somebody I thought I was going to marry. And yeah, it's just like kind of crazy to think about like, oh, you know, I'm going to be unworthy because this person doesn't want me. But that wasn't true at all because Jesus is like, no, like that's not who you are. Like you, you are a daughter of the King. And um, yeah. And ever since then, then I was kind of just like, okay, if this is who I am, then I need to live out this. Um, yeah. But like, that was, that story is like 10, over 10 years old, which is kind of weird to think about. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and already, like, I'm struck um, of, like, how that really changes the, the way, like, I relate to you. Because we work at the same place. I've known you for years. <laughs> and, like, just before we recorded the podcast, we were celebrating, like, you've just finished one bit of schooling and starting <laughs> yeah. a new one, you know, to mm-hmm. train as an artist. Yeah, And, yeah. like, David and I both celebrated, like, oh, you're doing a really good thing. Yes. But now I'm like, oh, because of all these cultural voices in your soul, mm-hmm. you're also doing a really hard thing. Oh, yeah. Yes. So now I'm like, I want to cheer you on differently, right? So, it, like, it helps me support you better, yes. which is amazing. So it's that's such a tangible example of, like, how that changes. And, and I love the angle of just, I don't know, it, like you kind of you shared part of like s- something about God that was hard to grasp because of your mm-hmm. culture, yeah. And there's this classic like white Enlightenment centric view of the world of like you know well the the English speaking white European authors you know they've mm-hmm. got theology right and Aline's mm-hmm. missing a bit. Mm. and actually like yeah but there's a flip side because i'm pretty sure there's going to be something about theology because of her culture and maybe not i mean theology i mean a broad sense of like her like deep knowledge of god her experience of the fullness of relationship with god like those things Mm. Mm. that she's got that i haven't because Mm. of my culture so Mm. it's a really good example of like we we've all got those holes like that and we can then have experiences when we when we cross boundaries Mm-hmm. yeah that's beautiful thank you Aline what about yeah, you David you. yeah and uh, Aline I, I love how similar in in some cultural context and you know being mm-hmm. being a male I, I can't relate in that regard but there is yeah. this cultural pressure that mm-hmm. I felt from I would say 10 from 10 mm-hmm. years old of knowing that like my goal was to get married as soon as possible mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, and to start having kids as soon as possible because mm-hmm. it's a cultural value. Yeah. And yeah. there's, there is um, a beauty in honoring that cultural value. Mm-hmm. Um, n- not always seeing it as like, well, the, you know, that's a bad thing, but really my mom modeled and my dad modeled the beauty of a big family. Cause I come from mm-hmm. a big family, right? Yeah. So a blended family at, you know, two half brothers, a half sister, and, and then my, my, my two younger brothers, there, there's a beauty and value in having kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
here I am 31, don't have kids, mm-hmm. which is like a, a cultural shock. Yeah. To, that must be weird. To it you. feels so weird. It yeah. feels so weird. It, you know, being 31, not having kids, um, you know, being a homeowner is also like a very, you know, identity changing mm-hmm. circumstance. Mm-hmm. And so when, when we have that conversation of honor um, and also shame, you know, it, you know, every society has that. And I think yeah. for, people of color and, and minorities, yeah. we, we experience honor and shame, I think a lot quicker and easier mm-hmm. because it's from our parents. Yeah. And then, you know, and I, I just remember having these conversations with my mom where it's like, mijito, when are you going to start having kids? And it's like, <laughs> I got to get married first, yeah. you know, like, like, cause that's something we agreed upon as a yeah. family mm-hmm. value to get married yeah. and go yeah. and go about that. Mm-hmm. It's but, interesting because it's like it's it's similar but with a twist. It is yeah. right because loads of people have a value on having kids, yes. but there's a different mm-hmm. weight behind it. Or even is. like yeah. property ownership, like it's very common to aspire to own your own home. Mm-hmm. But when you come into a society as like an alien, as a refugee, there's a fragility to your life. Yeah, where property ownership has a different weight behind it. So it's yeah. just like. It, the subtlety to this, right, which is so interesting. It's super nuanced. And I think what helps me have empathy is knowing that coming from a space of cultural pressure that wasn't altogether evil or bad, mm-hmm. but, you know, there's some redeeming elements to mm-hmm. wanting to be family-oriented, wanting to have kids mm-hmm. at a young age, mm-hmm. having these desires, it, it, it gives me a... Um, a lens of viewing other people's structures of honor and shame. Mm-hmm. And so like you, you know, from, and again, just hearing your story, um, Aline, about Hmong culture mm-hmm. in, you know, Latin in American culture, it, quinceañeras. Quinceañeras are a celebration of, of um, girls becoming women mm-hmm. at 15. And mm-hmm. that, that is a, you know, should we celebrate that? Yes. So, you know, the invitation is, if you get invited to a quinceanera, you go to a quinceanera yes. because you're going to get the best <laughs> foods, you're going to have the best yes. dances, and you're going to enjoy yes. culture in mm. in its most organic form. Mm-hmm. And so, yes. you know, the call to action for my brothers and sisters who are, you know, having that question, well, how do I engage in culture? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's your neighbor. Mm-hmm. They're, they're mm-hmm. there. And then ask, what's something that you're celebrating that I can maybe join in that. on? And the, and this, I mean, I've been even thinking you because you say about good food, and my mind flashed back to like last week. You and I were walking around here, mm. talking outside, you know, doing the weird. Ah, oh, it's a it's a parking lot, but there's trees, so this is our walk. But we were talking about food, and it's like you were trying to convince me to love mole sauce the same way I was trying to convince you to love like a French sauce. Yeah, and and it's like actually there's like there's places where cultures meet and kind of touch and mm-hmm. um and and finding like because that that's like it's not an event we're celebrating but we both love food and cooking mm-hmm. so there's a joint desire to celebrate something and then that's like that's a route in for us to like relate to each other more deeply learn the history of our food, the connections of our food, the emotions connected to our food, you know, just like to know each other a bit more deeply. There's a purity, a purity in that curiosity. Yeah. In saying, I have not had this cuisine before. 
give me access to it, but also give me the context with it. Because mm-hmm. it's almost like, you know, sometimes in a in a way of saving us the time, we'll we'll enjoy the the food but forget the culture. Yeah. And they're they're synonymous with one another, right? I can't think of anything more American than a burger and a hot dog. Because they're synonymous to American yeah, culture. They're cultural it, artifacts. There's co- yeah. yeah, they're cultural artifacts. And so, you know, when when I indulge in mole, it's it's not just a really delicious, you know, uh, meal that's regionally specific because there's different kinds, but I'm also getting a, a tap into a yeah. cultural artifact. Yeah. There's so many layers to this. And so, yeah, for my brothers and sisters that are out there who who maybe your touch point into culture is food, mm. press into it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because that is such an equalizer yeah. for human beings. Is we and gotta eat. So many, it can be history, geography, mm-hmm. music, art, like events you celebrate, ways of living, values. I mean, this this it's an endless list. Yeah. Mm. But um, don't stay at the table of food. Because just like at a party, if all you're there for is the food, mm, yeah, kind of missing out on the party. Yeah, missing out on the celebration because you're just. Now I'm speaking from someone who's a huge foodie. I love eating, but if I went to your party and all I did was like, I'm here just for the food and I leave, well, I missed out on the whole celebration. Yeah. I only got one part that was comfortable. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, there's an analog of that for, for each thing, right? Of like. Yeah, what's the purpose behind that thing? Okay, well, we've talked for about an hour, so I feel like we could just keep talking, but that's a, <laughs> that's a taste for people. So I guess I guess the encouragement is pay attention to Juneteenth this year. Mm-hmm. It's a really good thing. What yes. happened that's being celebrated was a kingdom-shaped thing. So as yes. Christians, we should be like, that's so good. That's a yes. good thing. It's worth celebrating. But it also causes us to reflect. And then the, the encouragement is like, you can read books, you can listen to podcasts, but like that podcast and book should spur you on to a relationship. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, go. Um, yeah. Do do something. Yeah. Um, maybe like invite David to make you mole sauce. Or- <laughs> Also, I, I guess we're now going to have to make mole for the whole church. Oh, we're going to have to. <laughs> I think we're so. But, but we'll, we'll definitely do that. But yeah, go like, <laughs> go notice the people around you and yeah, and see how you can build those bridges. All right. Inquire. Inquire. That's a good word. All right. Yes. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning podcast. This podcast is produced by A Jesus Church College, based at Westside A Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, Go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.